Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I'm David Pettit and I'm joined by the man who replies to allegations that he's too imperial biased with, no I'm not, some of my best friends are Xenos scum. <laughs> it's Rich O'Keefe. Hey Rich. Oh, that's really good Dave. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. I actually came up with that the other day, uh, rather than the car journey over, so I guess it shows. Yep. Uh, right, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, our Instagram at Floorhammer underscore podcast, which you've done some good posts recently, and uh, our website, floorhammerpodcast.com. Well, I felt like I had to, because on the last episode, you swore that you'd be doing plenty more posting on Instagram, and that plenty more is actually apparently zero. Well, I'll tell you what it is. I've got a... Small cheap- child? <laughs> no. Not that excuse? No, okay, no, save no, no, that no. one. Hang on, hang on. Let me just... Uh, excuse number 16... Um, I've got a crappy light box. So it's not crappy. It's really good for the price that we paid for it because you got the yep. same one. Um, however, it is a really stark white light which does not show black models very well. Um, right. The issue is the bits that I've been painting currently, um, we'll get to that later, have been black Templars. Of course they have, Dave. What else are they going to be? Well, no, I say that's what we'll get to later because... Uh, oh, But no, it, it's really stark white light and it reflects off the black. Even though they are matte black, yep. uh, it makes them look really shiny and really strange, if I'm honest. Yeah, shiny, shiny marines are not your version of Grim Dark, are they? No, no, because I can dim the light slightly, but then the black loses details. Yep. So it, it's it's a bit of a fine line. Whereas I think I might have the answer to it, which is using two different day glow lamps. The the one that's built into the light box and then using my sort of painting light. Oh, okay. Um, but I haven't tried it yet, so it might work, might not work. But anyway, back to what we've got coming up today. Obviously, we've got Hobby Progress, which you've just had a sneak peek. Yep, and we're going to cover GW's releases because there's lots more news coming out, which is pretty exciting. Yes. And what happened to your game this week? Oh, my game got binned off by Nick from Old Average Brick Gaming. He <laughs> totally cannot. He's been postponed until Tuesday, which is the day after we record. So I can uh, cover it next show. But uh, unfortunately, he's torn that content out of the episode. So blame him. <laughs> but have no fear. We have multiple topics this week. And as always, we will round things off with a nice hobby tip. Also, show news. Next episode. Oh, show news. Yes. New ne- section. Well, not quite. <laughs> As a segment next show, we wanted to run a quick Q&A. So, it's episode 40. Dave and I thought it'd be cool to do a Q&A. So, we want you to email us with your questions to our email address, which is floorhammerpodcast at gmail.com. And we will answer them. We will obviously vet out the uh, cheeky attempts to catch us out. Yes, we will. But that's not to say it'll be a short section. Do we have an incentive for people to enter? We do. So, thanks to the kind support of Axel, who sent us some bits and pieces in the post, we will have a kit uh, going out, a surprise, for a randomly chosen winner from everybody who sends us a question. So, get emailing. Yeah, we'll remind everyone on uh, various social media accounts as well. Yeah, Dave's threatening us to use the social media account again, so that'll be interesting. (laughs) Yes. I will post to Instagram, don't worry. Lies. Right, let's move on to something that actually might happen, some hobby progress. Don't hold your breath. Um, Fair enough. But no, no, I have... um, So last episode, I said that I had bought the Invictus suit, Invictor warsuit, and um, I said that I wanted to have the gun two-handed. So I 
put together the legs and the body and went to dry fit the arms yeah. and there was no way uh, aesthetically and physically that he was going to be able to hold the gun two-handed. Okay, so it would require some serious modification, extra parts, that sort of thing, in order to make it actually work. Yeah, I mean, because he is he's, he's based on the chassis of a Redemptor, and you know the Redemptor's quite a chunky lad. He um, is a bit, he's, bit of a white boy. Yeah, he has uh, had a few too many beers and has quite a gut. So getting the gun across it without looking stupid. Also, I've got a flamer, Space Marine or not, um, I've seen the stats for that flamer, and I would not want that like being fired right across me as no, I'm sitting enough. in that chassis. Um, got a roll cage though, so you'd be alright. He's got, got a roll cage, that'll protect him from those flames. I went with plan B, which I made up on the fly. Nice, as, as all the best plan Bs tend to be. Yeah, of course, have one plan, and if it goes tits up... Wing it. Wing it. So, being quite a humanoid vehicle... As a dreadnought is. You're about to describe yourself then. I was yeah. going to get a bit questionable. Very good, very good. Uh, no, I decided to have the canopy open because I think it looks quite cool if I have the canopy open and the pilot not actually inside. To cut a long story short, I wanted him to look templary. Um, and what better way to have him looking like that with the canopy open than to have him sort of kneeling in, in fealty to. Fealty. Yeah, very good. We just had this conversation off air. What was it? I said fealty. You said fealty. I thought it was fealty. And then remember that every time I say... So we cut this out normally. Every time I say a word, you correct me. So then I say that again, record it again. And then you say it on air that I was right the first time. Yep. Uh, it works every time, mate. It doesn't work this time because I caught you. Um, it's fealty. <laughs> I'm going with fealty now. So uh, shut up. I'm going to turn your mic off. I've lost my train of thought. No, he was... Uh, so, to make it a bit more temporary, I've got him uh, kneeling down. Yeah. And uh, with the sort of the flamer just sort of limp by his side. and Limp? Well... You've got a limp flamer. It's <laughs> <laughs> so the problem is age. He's like 105. Would you prefer if I said resting? I think so, yes. Yeah, okay. So, resting by his side uh, with the canopy open. So, it looks like the... Pilot? Pilot, yes. I guess. Yeah, so the, it looks like the pilot has stepped out of it and it's sort of immobile or um, dormant. Nice. Because uh, it is a war suit rather than it being like having a mind impulse unit or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's actually controlled by him. He's not connected to it. So that kind of makes sense. Yes, so it's not a, a sarcophagus as such. There's no one dead inside it. It's actually a pilot uh, mm. using the controls to control it. So, yes, I've got him kneeling down. I've got his flamer by his side. What to do with the left arm? So, the left arm, you can either have as, I guess, a power fist. Yep. Um, or holding the pistol. Yes. So, I've actually got the pistol sort of mag-locked to his side. You mean the heavy bolter pistol? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I call it a pistol. It's a heavy bolter, um, which turns into a pistol in combat. That is, is pretty amazing, to be honest. Cool. And what I wanted was him, as he's kneeling down and he's a Templar, I wanted him to have a big sword. Okay, yep. So he's resting on his sword. In order to not make him look too stupid, here we go, trying to, me trying to make the grim dark far future too yep, realistic. Yep, yep, yep. He's, he's leaning on his sword. There isn't a sword big enough in the range of Games Workshop. Also, oh, a thought. Is there. So... I revisited the Grey Knight Dread Knight sword. It has a lot of uses, that sword. Yeah, well, I've got it on my Contemptor. Yep. 
for my Black Templars, which is what I use to measure the height, thinking that if I've got a big sword, I might need to have it in the ground like he's driven it into oh, the ground. Oh, nice. Yeah, while he's waiting. That's cool. It would have been cool, but then all of my Templars are on like marble and stone floor, which yeah, although okay. could go in, it would probably dent the sword slash snap it in half. If it's got power field, it'd be fine. Yeah, I suppose it goes like black, a black, knife. Black, black, yep. Knife through butter. But no, uh, the actual size is perfect. Oh, uh, nice. The hilt comes up to his, I guess, like shoulder. So oh, that'd be perfect. So that is the warsuit. What to do with the pilot? Should I put a pilot in there? So I thought about this. Believe it or not, I think take it easy. Take it easy. Conversions. Our store birthday, yes, is this month. It is very soon. Twenty fifth. Good job. <laughs> yeah, it's not nineteenth. Is armies on parade? That's what I'm thinking, Dave. That's what I'm thinking. But yeah, yeah you're twenty fifth or twenty sixth is a Saturday. Yeah, it's it's that weekend. The birthday marine is going to be on sale, and it's yes. the guy sort of uh, on top of an orc carcass that he's got like a chainsaw in he's sort I mean, of standing on it but he's got a raised foot he has yes i mean the, the orc looks shit, to be honest it does but i'm gonna cut away the orc okay yeah, i mean i think it'll probably be separate he'll be standing on it like it'll be part of the scenic base yes and it probably had like a groove for his foot yeah. to go yeah so what i was gonna do is either so i've got two choices if his foot is raised up enough i'm gonna put him almost like he's stepping in back into the war suit Nice. So his sort of back is to the uh, view of the player. Yeah. Um, because the lower part of the cockpit actually goes down like, yeah. a, like a step. Yes. I don't know how high his leg is off the ground in order to look like he's stepping onto it. The other option is to have him with his back to the war suit, sort of looking away from it um, on a rock rather than an orc carcass. Mm. Um, and without the chainsword, so just like he's resting. It looks like he's surveying in yeah. the way the model's posed. I don't know if it would look good getting into the war suit, just because he's kind of hunched over, and he's like leaning his elbow on his knee, and he's kind of staring off into the distance. Yeah, I suppose I could put something on the seat, like a... Um, oh, a display, tactical yeah. display, that'd be cool. Yeah, so he's like surveying the battlefield... Um, Scout data and all that sort of thing. Alternatively, would you have a kneeling marine outside? I mean, there's no kneeling primaris. Otherwise, having him like kneeling in a prayer pose almost outside of the suit itself would look cool. But I don't think any of the, the primaris are in that pose. The other alternative is the, I think it's the event only captain or lieutenant. The one that's sort of holding his helmet and he's got like a power sword by Probably his side. Probably a primaris lieutenant. <laughs> Probably. Odds are. I'll do away with the power sword. I don't know, have something in his in his left arm. Mm. But almost like he's stepped out of the war suit at the end of the battle. Nice, yeah. Uh, and he's just... I'm going to have him standing on the base in front of it. Cool. So, yeah, I have come up with a concept for that. I have put it in motion. Just got to pick up this sword. Yeah, hopefully it comes out relatively well. So stay tuned. That wasn't the only thing I did this week, though. Good, because I was thinking you were going to take one half-built model and spin it into the entire of your hobby progress. I'd say it was about 75%, but there we go. It's only missing the sword and the arm uh, and the plates that are going to spray wide. Anyway. Whatever. Uh, no, I have mentioned that I had six intercessors um, yes. built and painted. I built and spray-painted the other four intercessors from that kit. Nice. So you've used up the whole box then? Yeah, just because I had a box full of sprues with any four marines on it i went a bit crazy with the black templar upgrade sprue the the og nice og one um i yeah i i used quite a few accessories 
so dangly. Yeah, basically. Um, one's got the backpack banner, which is like two skulls with the Templar cross. Yeah, nice. Engraved into it. Um, Primaris Marines have a very rounded backpack top, so I actually had to cut a square groove out of the top of oh, the backpack. Oh, right. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But it worked. I've got another one with a um, chained sword. Not a chain sword, a chained A chained sword. power sword. Okay, we have to make sure um, we explain that correctly. You know, how's, how are the chains not getting cut by the power field? Or is it switched off? No, it's, well, it's attached to the wrist, isn't it? Oh, one of those ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not a sword wrapped in chain. That like, kind of negates the whole point of it. Yeah, but a Black Templar would blatantly wrap a sword in chains. Yeah. Ooh, I feel kind of funny thinking about that. And um, there's another one with the sword in its scabbard. And yes. he's got a bolter in his left hand. Um, one of the Primaris intercessors that... Um, oh, he's doing the reload action or whatever. Is yeah. Hold, is he holding it? He's holding it like that. Not the one with the reload. There's actually two ones where they're sort of holding it like you get this. quite a lot of extra bits on that primary sprue actually tons yeah i was surprised tons it's uh i I went a bit crazy with those but then i can mix them into the more generic vanilla looking primaris that i have with the the other intercessors because i was just trying to get them built originally once they are done i want to get going back with my towel oh yes was it last episode that i mentioned them for our armies uh it was the episode before you mentioned them for our armies and then last episode they crept back up again in the uh abandoned abandoned projects projects. you want to restart yes these are the Tau Lost Colony that were sort of stealthy, but using guerrilla tactics to, well, fight whoever. Uh, probably orcs slash ultramarines. <laughs> <laughs> Wild guess. Uh, or Death Watch. So I have a few more kits to build and paint up. Uh, I actually bought a black panel liner. Nice. Um, Which one? Which A and K? AK Interactive. Yes. Oh, that panel line is good. Yep. So what I did before was sprayed the model black and then did all of the panels in Rakarth Flesh. That is painful. It is painful. Hopefully this time I can spray the model in Rakarth Flesh and then use the panel liner maybe twice, I guess. It'll, like, much, it'll go on really easily, yeah. Yeah, I, I've never used it before, so... As long as you gloss the model, it uh, comes out really nice. Mm, so hopefully that'll be a lot quicker to do and it won't kill my progress for that project because i think that is partly why i stopped it because i could not be bothered i don't blame you whatever black is painful but going back to the templars well we wouldn't expect anything less dave yeah (laughs) thanks um i have now got two five-man squads of intercessors so just one more to go and i've got the uh, got battalion and they've got bolt rifles yeah i mixed and matched most of them um i know i've got one grenade Nice in each That's one. That's really good because it's uh it's uh one of the weapons that gets the devastator doctrine on the first turn. It so does. lobbing a crack grenade thirty inches is pretty good. <laughs> what minus two? Minus on two it? AP. Yeah, not bad. Oh, you really spanned that into a long, uh, a long-winded way of saying I painted a couple of models and uh, built uh, built half a warsuit. Well, with your lack of game, we need to make up the time. <laughs> so <laughs> burn. Well, burn. Yet I didn't. No, <laughs> I didn't set one up myself. So. This is gonna burn as you're gonna get, mate. <laughs> yeah. What did you get done this week? I have been moderately productive since the last episode. So, as always, I've got three or four pots on the go, boiling away. So, number one, for Armies on Parade, because that on alone wasn't enough. Obviously, doing new army to go with it. Well, not new army, but like a new part of my force. So, that was the ad mech I've been talking about. I completed the Tech Priest Dominus model. 
Nice. I love that model. It is a lovely model, but it is an absolute arse to paint. Oh, yeah. It, it hurts when you pick it up as well. It's very spiky. It's very spiky. It's very spindly. There's lots of bits behind bits that you can see, but are hard to get the brush to. However, he's done. Um, and I'm pretty happy with how he looks because he's got the uh, purple and bone thing going on. Nice. To go with him, these Skitari are slowly progressing. Uh, I mentioned doing them in sub-assemblies before. Have you stuck them together yet? So they're stuck together now. Nice. Uh, their purple is all done. All I've got left to do with those guys now is the armour and the metallics. Okay. So they were sprayed silver before, weren't they? Their legs were sprayed silver and their bodies, the top half were sprayed black so I did a lot of the purple on them. So now there's things like the backpacks and they've got loads of bionic bits like half their arms are metal and... Lights as well. They've got quite a few lights on them. They've got so many lights and lenses. This is what I'm not looking forward to is after I've done the armour and the uh, the bone armour which is actually wraith bone with the skeleton horde contrast over it because it's nice and easy it's really good isn't it it's come out really really well yeah. and it looks a little dirty like i wouldn't want to do it for like space marines but for admech which the kind of grimy oily look kind of suits them really perfectly oh this over the silver no over the uh, over the bone over the wraith bone right but it just because it tints the surface because it's a contrast and it kind of settles in the recesses it just looks a little oilier than i normally would do a bone color um, which has worked out perfectly for the Admech. Also have to do the lenses. So I'm not quite sure how to go about those. I might just do them like the two eyes where they've got two eyes or three some of them have got um, with like just a couple of layers of red and call it a day because on 20 models, painting that fiddly lenses that many times over is going to do me in. So I've got to do them. Yeah, I mean, it's red your spot colour. Uh, yes, it is. On the nights as well. So it will look fine. Um, it's just a case of getting around to doing it it's dropping down the priority list but i want it done to be fair the lenses are so small uh i mean you just need to do mechrite red a wash and then i use is it wild rider red it's like an orangey red yeah i think i've got wild rider or i've got evil suns and an orange one of the two something like that yeah and then if if the lens is big enough a white dot and you're done. Oh, I'm not going to bother with the white dot. They're really, really small and fiddly. Yep. So, um, and then what you can do is stick hard coat over the top if you want it to be shiny. I'll probably go without because everything else is quite matte. Um, okay. The armour is quite shiny though on the knights and the Onigo Dune Crawler will have kind of glossy armour. Speaking of which, I've started painting the Onigo Dune Crawler. It is not a lot to it, actually. I sub-assemblied it again. So Sensible. The legs took all of two minutes to spray them lead belch or wash and dry brush which was great. They are now on their base because I used the homemade moulds I talked about before to make a plaster Adeptus Mechanicus, whatever it's called. Sector Mechanicus? Sector Mechanicus. Sector Mechanicus. So the same way that you did the knights. Yes, the same way I did the knights. Yep. The only thing is that surface is incredibly uneven and the dune crawlers on its little spindly leg things. Oh, is it like a wonky chair? Yeah, trying to get all four legs... On the flat ground at the same time was a pain in the ass. So I've managed it. Um, and I've kind of jazzed the base up with like an ammo crate here and there to kind of break it up. Cause I'll that- tell you what I've done before is, um, coloured legs. So the tips of legs with a spot of, say, a green, a purple and a yellow. Just so you match them up on the base again. And then you just put whatever colour is. Uh, over the top of it oh, okay. so in that case in your case it would be silver so you put like a tiny bit of purple a tiny bit of green on one leg a tiny bit of purple on another a tiny bit of yellow on another 
match it up with the same dot on the base once you've got it into the right position. Yeah. And then put it back on. Oh, I've glued it on now. Like, it's permanently well, attached. So okay. It just... The base is massive. It's a 100mm round base. So it's bigger than the Armager base. But the Dune Crawler itself, apart from it's got long, long sticky-out legs, there's no, it's like a daddy long legs. There's nothing to it. The actual body's really tiny. It's like a sentinel yeah, ca- it's canopy. Yeah, t- it's tiny, size. isn't it? So... I had to put stuff on the base to kind of fill it up because there's nothing to it. I did get a little fancy with the colours though, and did like a because it's purple and bone. The kind of like the the cockpit's all purple. I did like a bone stripe down the front and down one of the sides to kind of break it up a little bit with some masking tape, which was a pain. Sounds fancy. Yep, and I'm going to put <laughs> some like transfers and stuff on it because otherwise it's not a lot to it. You need visually. to break up that purple. Yeah. 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 So the next step for me after all these bits and bobs is done, is to gloss the whole uh, armour array. and Because I'm going to do the panel lines with the AK. Oh, okay. So same as you're planning to do for the Tau. If you want to use those panel liners, it's a really good idea to gloss the model first so that when you touch the panel liner, because it's, it's, it's a very thin, like, enamels or white spirits based What's the paint. coverage like? Does it make it very dark or do you have to do several layers? So you don't paint it over like a wash. It's a panel liner, so you... Dip it in the corner and it you, runs. Yeah, you touch it in the corner of a, of a groove or a panel line, and if it's glossed nicely, it will run quite far down. So its capillary action draws the uh, liquid into the grooves. You just dot it a few spaces. If it goes over onto the armor panel, if it's glossed, it's very easy to wipe it off with a bit of tissue. Or if it dries, you can use a tissue with a white spirit on it to just remove anything that's gotten on top of the panel. So you get very crisp, clean panels. And and what nice. what is the coverage like? Is it quite thin, or do you have to do several layers? Or I mean, over purple, I only had to do one layer before when I did the knights. Nice. So it's quite a, it's got a lot of pigment in that black, which is why you don't want it getting on the flat surfaces, or you want to be able to take it off if you do, because it will kind of spoil anything. I mean, if you're planning to use it on your towel that are white or off white, you're really going to want to make sure it goes in the the panel lines only, and then the dreaded actual board. So. I mentioned last time about how to do all the rocks, so I've actually done that myself now, all the way around. Filled in all the gaps between the rocks all the way around, which has driven me crazy. And now I'm at the stage where I need to kind of put the backing on it. So because it's like a display board, I want to make sure the back of all the hills is kind of a flat surface and I can paint it black so it kind of makes the scenes... Like it's a cutout. Like it's a cutout, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's fairly common with those sort of boards, isn't it? Yeah, and it makes it look a lot nicer. So I need to do that, and I need to get the gate finished. So I mentioned before there's this giant sort of uh, admech gate, which the knight will be coming out of. Um, I've actually detailed the inner area of, like, the start of the gateway with, like, the panels that I've copied to make it look industrial on the inside. Yep. And kind of a little bit ruined, because I'm going to kind of go with a, like... uh, an abandoned facility that's kind of been reawakened kind of theme is what I'm hoping for, if I can pull that off. So everything's a bit ruined and rusty. So I've done the gates. I just need to push the gate in from the back so it sits behind the doors and Mm -hmm. then I can fill in the back. So I'm getting there with it. And I've got to do walkways as well. So coming out of the gate is going to be like a giant pathway. I've got to, again, make Sector Mechanicus tiles to coat the floor and they'll break a few of them up and I think covering them with dust as well to show that yes. they are very old and yeah that was your idea was to look like they've kind of been so there's no so there's no yeah nature. there's no flat edges 
Yes, there's no flat edges, and while there'll be no shrubberies and green life and everything, it will have been taken back over by the planet, so to speak. Yeah. So, still plenty to do. I've got three weeks to get it done, which is not that long, really. No. No. <laughs> I've got a lot to do. Yeah, and then the last thing to move on to after that is the landing pad. So, I've built this kind of landing pad where I don't know what I'm going to put on there yet. I might put my Storm Raven. You did say um, the Death Watch. I thought about the Death Watch. Um... Maybe have them kind of like have their lander on the pad and then have them standing round in like a semicircle so it looks a little bit more formal and not so like they're leaping into battle look. Maybe have the uh, tech priest up there as well, like yeah. he's the emissary. Yeah. So I- I'm going to try and style it like that because it- it's supposed to be armies on parade, not like a battle diorama. So I don't want it to look too in the action, so to speak. So that's the plan. Let's see if it comes together. Three weeks. Put my finger out. Good luck is all I can say about that. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Yeah. Should we roll on to talk about Games Workshop's uh, busy period? Yes, let's. So the train keeps rolling from GW in terms of Psychic Awakening with two, two new characters. Yeah. So not only did we have the Banshees and the Clavex. Clavex? The Clavex from the Incubi, yep. Yep. We now have special characters for those two aspects. The Phoenix Lords, Yes. Very exciting. So, Jane's R model has been released. Oh, it's so nice. I don't collect Eldar, but oh, it's so nice. It is so nice. My only bugbear with it is... Go on, then, go on then. It's Xenos. No. Um, <laughs> Doesn't die to a flamer? No. Uh, her hair is the only thing connected to the base. Oh, really? Yeah, which is going to snap instantly. Really? It's, n- it's just her hair? Because her I... hair's like a couple of mil wide at max. Exactly. Yeah, so oh, I'd, I'd say it was like a Four four mil diameter hairline attached to the base. Um, cause it's You're making t- fun of people with a four mil diameter hairline, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> very good, very good. Wow, so that is going to be really flimsy. Oh yeah, that looks really fiddly, I and mean, that that is going to break. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to have to hope and pray every time you put it away in a case that it comes out the other side in one piece. Having said that, it's a beautiful sculpt. It is, it is. I mean, I am not one for Eldar. Uh, I love Harlequins, I love Dark Eldar. However, she looks fantastic. She looks very much like... What is the Wood Elf unit? The so way she, you watch Yes, so I said this to our other friend Dave. She makes me think of the War Dancers. War Dancers, The ones yeah. that came out like 12 years ago. They came out in Metals. Um, and there are a couple of them that are kind of dancing with their spears. And kind of... They, they, she, she really reminds me of that. It's the Look. Morris Dancer flowing uh, <laughs> ribbons as well. Maybe, uh, yeah. Maybe it, that's got something to do with it. And then she's got the classic um, spinny, massive shrouken blade thing. Yeah, which which is a hark back to the old Jane's R model, which had that. I mean, the pose... It has a name. It's like a named weapon. Yeah, it, the, the pose, it it's, a, it's something and it's going to kill you. But the, the pose is very much a throwback to the other model. They look very similar. You can tell it's the same character, yep. which I really like. We yes. said that about the, the Banshees originally, yep. that they do look similar. And now we get a model that actually lives up to the artwork yeah. for her because the artwork for Jane's are if, if nobody has seen any pictures the new one is okay but the old ones looked fantastic the artwork yeah. and then the model was very 90s oh the model's very very old mate that's why so yeah kind of been let down there yeah they've done a really fantastic job however you can't just have one good model no you have to have two 
Oh, the Drazar model. I can tell you now, Tim probably had a minor cardiac event when that model was previewed. Uh, so good. I mean, I am looking at him and going, oh, I could do Drakari now. That's... I mean, I... A thousand points, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> you want yeah. it? I'll probably do it faster than you'll do yours. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> another, another spoiler alert for you. Uh, that that guy is fantastic. So so we previewed the Clavex, and yeah. I said that I didn't like his big weapon, and the internet followed suit with that same opinion. The photos of him tightrope walking, kayaking. Oh, some of them There's some good stuff out there. Uh, but this guy has the big demi-glaive um, split into two. Yes. Like, sort of Darth Maul style. Except good. No, Darth Maul was amazing. That was <laughs> shite. <laughs> he, was, he, was a, he was a good spot in a oh, yeah. crap movie. But, back to the other universe that we love. This guy looks like a Dark Eldar character should be. Scary, looks like he could cut your head off in an instant, but looks very nimble. He's standing on the same terrain that the Harlequins are modelled on, which is quite a cool crossover. Mm. Um, Albeit the Eldari ruins that he's on have black plants and thorns growing all over them to show that he is evil. Yeah, I think all the spikes and the horns and the uh, almost demonic looking face masks don't quite hit home for the evil aspect. Though those thorns, those thorns really set him off. Yeah, I mean they are going to really frustrate the person that is holding them. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like the Chaos Rhino all over again. If it hurts you, then it's it's good, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You'd probably like it. But he's got the sort of devil horns that uh, wouldn't look out of place on a beastman. They've really gone to town with it. They really have. And I keep losing my train of thought because every time I look at it, I see a new aspect of the model that I really oh, like. Oh, aspects. Nice. Oh, nice. Yep. yep. Did that on purpose. Totally. Yep. True not. professional. He's also got an, uh, an Ezekiel Baden top knot as well. <laughs> yes. You've got to love a top knot. <laughs> got got to love a top knot and i can't believe i used uh, ezekiel abaddon like i know the guy oh your mate <laughs> my mate but uh almost as importantly because i love the model his rules so this guy has a freaking scary ability called lethal precision when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by this model on an unmodified roll of a six add two to the damage characteristic of that weapon for that attack that is the Incubi, air quotes, shrine. Yes. Special ability. It's horrendous on the Incubi, but this guy's got, what, how many attacks? Does it actually say? Five? Doesn't yet. I mean, it's got the stats for his uh, demiclaves. He's going to have five attacks. Yeah, well, he's got he two. gets plus two if he's got the dual blades. With, with still with that ability. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, this guy's going to cause some serious... That means he can one-shot things like aggressors. That's pretty grim. Well, yeah. I mean, anything that can one-shot aggressors is a good thing, I guess. Yep. Uh, for balance more than anything else. But but in the same way that I liked the fact that Jane's eye is living up to her artwork, I actually, for once, prefer the model to the artwork for this guy. I mean, his original artwork and style is very different to this model. This model is clearly um, styled around the current Incubi. Whereas the old guy had those weird claw things that were actually part of his arms. And they looked... I didn't like them much. Yeah, he wasn't going to scratch his nose with those. But 
But this guy looks like a an incubi champion, and he looks fantastic with his blades that have two handles on them, which is slightly strange. He's got to have choices, mate. Got to have choices. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's enough talking about Xenos. Do you know what we need to talk about, Dave? Some Imperium action. It's Sister's Bulletin time. It is Sister's Bulletin time. And although it was something that we had previously seen in a Sister's Bulletin uh, a few weeks back, the Penitent engine, we now have a few close-ups and some uh, details on the model. And most importantly, it's confirmed as being in the army box when it comes out. So they talked about that Sister's army box of Codex and new models, and the Penitent engine is in there, which is pretty good because i think everyone's going to want at least one yeah rumors started flying when we saw the uh youtube video for the box yep. and they have confirmed it now yeah which is pretty awesome so hopefully we'll get a bit more info over the coming weeks on exactly what's in that box and the view of the last uh remaining vehicles and i don't know if they're gonna do any character previews that'll be interesting because we obviously know what celestine looks like because she's already out but are they going to do any other characters tell you two characters they have done imperial fists and salamanders oh what a segue dave yes we they came out literally after we recorded the last episode and we were spitballing about primaricizing vulcan heston and lysander and they have done exactly not that yep so they have chosen two uh previously unknown characters are they completely unknown well saying that adrax agatone agatoni Agatone. I'm going to go with Agatone. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, it sounds a bit too Italian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those Italian salamanders. I had recognised the name. I couldn't put my finger on where. Right. Until I had guessed it and looked it up on Wikipedia. Okay. You're claiming that you guessed it correctly and looked it up on the internet, yeah? Yeah. That's your argument, yeah? Yes. Okay. The internet's always right. No, um, I thought I had heard of him from the Tome of Fire um, salamander trilogy right okay yeah looked it up and yes he is the character because ah, he cool. is actually the captain of the third company nice and i think it is the third company that the characters in the time of fire trilogy are from what about the imperial fists one then what's what's he actually from what's his background well here's the thing he is completely different because he is the captain of the third company nice nice <laughs> uh, and he has been featured in several books so they've gone for characters that obviously people do sort of know of, but they're bringing, I don't know, fresh blood into the characters and storylines. That's kind of cool. We all love Vulcan Heston. We all think that previous model is amazing. It's nice that they've done something new and haven't just primaricized everybody from previous editions. Yeah, I mean, what they've done is they've proved that Lysander and Vulcan Hestan are chickens and don't want to go through Ooh, the Rubicon. Oh, I didn't want to take that risk. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's a bit, for me, having seen, I say the light, there are going to be people that prefer the tactical marines, so I'm not going to judge, but for me, wanting to play Vulcan Hestan in a Salamander's list, I'm going to have to use this really small model, um, unless I want to convert it up and yeah. use a different model as Vulcan Hestan, which for me is a bit of a shame, but on the flip side, we get new models with new rules and new ways to play these two armies that we had previously only had one or two characters for. In fact, Imperial Fists only had Lysander, didn't they? Yeah, they only had Lysander because Cantor is the Crimson Fist, so yep. the offshoot. But I mean, those characters were introduced as new characters a couple of editions ago, 
So I don't really see it as an issue they want to now introduce yet more new characters. They've all got to come from somewhere, and it's not that they killed them off. No, no, you can yet. still use them. If you want to use their rules, you just, well, use them. And if you want to primarize them up, I mean, Lysander's not too bad because he is in Terminator armor. So he is quite big anyway. Yes. Um, Vulcan Hestan looks quite small, actually. I would have quite liked him to see him in Gravis armor, but the rules for Agatone are really good, and he gives you a chance to use different rule sets and play the Salamanders in a slightly different way. And let's not forget that both of the models are actually really nice. Yeah, I'm not not too keen on Tor Garadon's head. He does I mean as soon as I saw him he looked like uh, Major Chip Hazard from Small Soldiers yeah that comparison that? has been made yeah and yeah okay sure but then who didn't love Major Chip Hazard I mean you probably didn't see it at the cinema because you were about three no but uh, I, I've watched movie, it several times on VHS that movie VHS really yeah oh wow yeah Kirsten Dunst oh probably <laughs> one of my first crushes moving swiftly onwards then an interesting move from Games Workshop the Actual contents of Blackstone Fortress are being released as a standalone thing without the board game. So you can buy the hostiles, are they called? I don't know what they call them. The bad guys. Well, it's 40k, so they're all bad guys. Uh, the guys with more spikes than the other yes, guys. Yes, that's the one. Yep. Um, all that's the chaos stuff, the urgles and all that are all coming out in an individual box set, which is a nice move from them because... I guess they're fed up of everyone having to buy them off of eBay as resales. Well, that that is what's happening. That's the issue that they get. Although they get the initial money straight away from people buying the box set for the rules and models, um, more and more people were turning to the internet just to buy the individual models. So I think releasing them as a box set keeps the money in their hands. Yeah, it just makes good sense. And it's nice that they're doing it so that you can go out and stock up on a whole bunch of Chaos cultists. Because you can't buy the... Well, they're Renegade Guardsmen, actually, aren't they? But they would make good cultists. Oh, yeah. Because you can't buy the old cultists from the Dark... Not Dark Imperium? Dark Dark Vengeance? Dark, Dark Vengeance? Dark Vengeance was the Dark Angels one, wasn't it? So, yes, it was that it one. It was that one. Yeah. Um, you can't buy them as the big... 10-man sets anymore. They're only coming in a five-man thing. So this gives people who want cultists a bit more options, which is nice. Yeah, and those models are sweet as well. <laughs> yep. And we couldn't go without talking about a new Primaris model. It's the Primaris Intercessor action figure. Yeah, so we spoke about this because it was... A month ago it came out. Yeah, in... it was Warhammer Fest, wasn't it? It might have been Fest. Yeah, I think yeah. it was... I think it was... Um, I was going to say spoiled, but revealed. That's the revealed word. Revealed, that's the word. Um, at Warhammer Fest, and this was Games Workshop linking up with Bandai, who are famous for Transformers. Are they? <laughs> I have has... no idea. I'm I'm really not into the action figure scenes. So oh, I, I wouldn't thought... have a clue. I th yeah, I th no, I think Bandai are Transformers because they got the rights from Hasbro. Okay, I'll take your word for that. It's interesting. I mean, people are upset that it comes pre-painted because it's painted like an Ultramarine, which will piss off a lot of people. But apparently Bandai's action figures are always pre-painted. I didn't know that, but that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, they, they are kids' toys, like 40k, isn't it? Yeah, Dave, it's for grown-ups and sensible people. Come yeah. on. That's an interesting branch out for GW. I mean, they said they were going to do it a while ago. It looks cool. I don't want one, but I appreciate that it exists. Yeah, and, and if you don't want him to be an Ultramarine's, shock horror, you might have to paint something in this hobby. So. Ooh. Ooh. Sorry, that's that, coming, a... that's, that is rich coming from you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I mean, this is the man that painted up a uh, pop Funko Pop 
That's true. You bought the you bought the unpainted one, though, didn't you? I did buy the unpainted one. I was going to buy the Ultramarines one until they actually announced that they were bringing yeah. out the DIY ones. So. so maybe in the future, after enough people have whined and whinged and whined on the internet, which is basically every day, um, you might see an unpainted one come out. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath over it. Yeah, it's not being necessarily made by GW. I mean, the Funko Pop wasn't either. But if there was enough demand for it, but who knows? People like to complain, and sometimes they get what they want. The life lesson for you. <laughs> And finally, we can't go talk about releases without talking about the big FAQ. So we're going to cover well, this. Yeah, is it the big? F- the FAQ. We're going to cover this as a mini topic. Fortunately for Dave, who didn't read too much detail, I went through everything and have done a complicated and complete breakdown of five bullet points, of which none of them are major changes because they didn't really change anything. Well, I'll I'll give you my summary because um, go for it. I read the release notes and the bit that they'd stuck in Warhammer Community initially, um, and then I read internet comments, so I can summarise it like this. <laughs> Why is there nothing in there? Why is it so small? The best one I saw was someone going, obviously they wrote, they wrote it completely sarcastic, they were like, come on GW, first of all you tell us this game's going to be simple, then you load us up with loads of FAQs and things we have to print out, and then we get used to that, and then all of a sudden you change nothing, and it unbalances and breaks the game, and basically, this is the attitude, is the internet is angry, whatever GW do, yeah. they are angry. <laughs> they release too much, angry, they release too little, angry. It's a sad fact of life that the internet is a cesspit of pr- so moving on, moving on from that, what has actually changed? So the core document that you recommend you refer to has basically solidified rules that they'd already put in beta and they'd already actually put in the chapter approved. Yeah, they just reworded they, a few things to clarify. Yeah. Yes, but they, the good thing is they mean the same. They've just closed all the loopholes that people were attempting to exploit. So well, well done, G Dubs. They closed the current loophole. No, I'm people. sure. I'm sure there will be more. Then it comes down to what actually changed in the codexes. Because interestingly, they didn't change any points. No. So this is where before they've issued a single document that amends the codexes, but basically they put all the points in one place, like they've done with chapter approved in the past. Yep. No points changes. Mm. Which is interesting, which means that they either didn't have enough data to make changes for all armies. Yep. Or they feel like they're in a place where... The game's not balanced, but they are in a place where armies can defeat each other, which they couldn't do before. I know Grey Knights and Necron players will be screaming at me, although Grey Knights just got bounced discipline, so... They've got a few buffs, so I think that GW made it clear that they are happy with how the game is at the moment. However, they did make some tweaks, so we will very, very quickly give them a rundown, because Dave hasn't seen them, and I'm interested to see what his opinions on these are. So, step one, they made lots and lots of clarifications through all the different codexes uh, about stratagems and special abilities that give you extra movement that you cannot come within an inch of an enemy with that extra movement. Which makes perfect sense, because if you're within an inch, you're in combat with them. Yes, so I think the core rule of you have to charge first is there, and people were just saying, but this overrides it. So, in order to make sure that it wasn't overriding it in the way that people were abusing, they made it clear... Including for Tau. So your Riptide cannot use its Nova Reactor or Iron Reactor, whatever it's called, to make an extra move and get into combat. Which it was probably not going to do anyway. <laughs> there is an entire new document, almost, on uh, just how saviour protocols work for uh, Tau drones. 
because that is complicated as fuck. Honestly, it, it was also abused to all hell as well. It was, and people, yeah, people are open to abusing it. So now there are like, because I, I like the way I like the way they brought out all of these rules for savior protocols after a tau player won the Nova Open. Yes, Make, makes you think. Maybe, yeah, but. The- <laughs> What's funny is that, like, they use pink text in all their documents to highlight what's changed. And most codexes are, like, one or two lines. And some of the marine-based ones got a lot of upgrades, which I'll come in a second. They had a fair few there. The Tau one was just, like, a whole page of pink text that basically explained how drones work. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, as alluded to, Primaris upgrades uh, got rolled out to everybody. And those that were staying tuned for those uh, Tau drone protocols... Oh, go we're, we're not going through that now. I, I cannot get my brain around how the Savior Protocols work, so I just don't have to worry about it. Yep. If I play a Tau player, I will just shoot all their drones first, so I don't have to think about it, and then carry on the game after. Correct. <laughs> so the Primaris rollouts. Everybody got access to all the cool new stuff that changed for Primaris. So how do I phrase that better? Um, everybody's Assault Bolters are now Assault 3. Everybody's Stalker Bolt Rifles are damaged too etc etc so they all got that across the space force blood angels etc so that's a really good way of them making sure everyone is playing on the same playing field when it comes to using the primary stuff yep all astartes some of the stratagems uh, have been capped to once per turn so i don't know if there were some stratagems that even in open play where you can use a stratagem name stratagem more than once in a turn people were abusing certain ones they've now capped those they've actually taken a step for one of the first times to balance open play because normally all their balancing is done around match play this one they clearly felt that people in more relaxed games had the opportunity to abuse certain stratagems and they've now been capped almost every codex has one that's capped now at once per turn also they clarified how you access stratagems it says that as long as you have a detachment from that codex you get access to all the stratagems and then you are able to use the ones that apply to your army i thought that was already how it worked but apparently they needed to put in pink text for everyone to understand it. So. You mean you mean we read them how Games Workshop wanted us to read them? There were several designers' commentary notes where they were like... So one of the ones was um, someone mentioned like, oh, how many of my models can fight if they are... Bases are arranged so that there is more than two rows of models within one inch of the fighting model. Can everyone fight? Because in the rule book it says this allows such things as fighting in two ranks. And the commentary comments were like, yeah, we put that to try and explain to people what we're talking about. You don't <laughs> literally have to line your models up in ranks. <laughs> so yes, GW, oh, the rules writers must have some serious patience, honestly. It's all those 40k players playing on square bases. Nice, <laughs> yeah. And lastly, I noted that the Land Raider Redeemers throughout everybody except the Marine Codex that got the new one, got their Flame Cannons range upgraded to 12. Was it less than 12 before? I believed it was 12 before so i don't know what happened there but there was a note given throughout them and i was like oh okay i always assumed it was a 12 inch flame cannon thing maybe it was nine maybe it was yeah who knows well anyone who reads the books can know but that wasn't me dave wants us to edit in the right answer but i'm just not going to bother so (laughs) rolling on from there we thought we'd take a minute to capture our thoughts on where eighth edition is it's actually now two and a bit years since it came out I'm pretty happy with it still. I don't play competitively, and nor does Dave. We've made that kind of clear. But so far, it seems like they're pulling all the right strings. 
I will reserve judgment until we have seen the rest of the codexes released, or at least the majority of the codexes released in the same vein as the Space Marine Codex. So with supplements and extra fluffy rules okay, yeah. for the different, in the case of Space Marines, chapters, and they might have supplements for the different regiments in the Imperial Guard mm. and the SEPs in the Tau Codex, for example. Yeah, I, I am expecting everybody, when they do get a new Codex in whatever order they come at whatever schedule, to get that, if your army is 100% this Codex, here's a cool special thing um, that the Marines have got with their tactical doctrines. Or whatever the, they're just called doctrines, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that everybody's going to get that rolled out. If you are 100 percent in this, you get this cool new bonus. So after that, you'll you'll pass your judgment, yeah. Yeah, just because at the moment everyone is doing Space Marines. Is that because you follow the hashtag Black Templars <laughs> on Instagram, Dave? Is that why? No, 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 no. At the moment, everyone is doing Space Marines, and the variety in 40k is starting to condense down to a variety in Space Marines. I mean, the issue, what's your data for that? The Not issue, to challenge you too much on it, but... I'm I'm part of several gaming groups. Okay, yeah. And, say, for example, the guy that was doing Eldar is now doing Salamanders. Oh, okay. The guy that was doing Death Guard is now doing Salamanders. Right, okay. Strange, strange uh, phenomenon here. Yeah, okay. And the guy that was doing Dark Eldar is now doing Iron Hands. Right, so everyone So, that, that's one gaming group, and then we've got our local store gaming group, where lots of pictures are now of Primaris Space Marines from people that are traditionally playing different armies. That's the new hotness, though, isn't it? I bet that, it is. I bet the Eldar stuff will start rolling out once Psychic Awakening comes exactly. out. Exactly, and, and the, there you go. And there's the variety coming back to 40k because at the moment it's starting to condense down to, like I said, a variety of Space Marine chapters which is cool because they're all fluffy and they all play differently but i don't want it to go back to the start of um the last codex run when space marines came out and very much it was marines versus marines all the time yeah okay so if so if all armies get the fluffy um different chapters sets regiments i'm gonna use those three yeah. yeah um then the variety come back and then my interest in the other armies will come back as well okay but i mean putting that aside i think i'm still very happy with the way they're handling eighth edition i know people are a bit upset about the volume of updates and fixes and things like that but they find themselves in a place where there are 19 codexes or whatever they are They've got to keep making tweaks and adjustments because... They're, they're always going to do. Cause it's too much complexity now. Yeah, one, one codex or one build will always rise to the top. Yeah. And that's the one that you'll see everywhere. And I was thinking back to... Because people are complaining like, oh, Games Workshop have ruined 40k. It's too complicated and all that pointless shit that people put on the internet. And I thought back to when I first started 40k, which was 3rd edition... Well, actually, I did play a game of second edition and it was horrendous. I uh, hated it. When I played in third edition, like, you had your codex and I got, like, the guard codex for the first time. That was the first one that had the ability to mess around with stuff like your regiments and whatever. When I then got my marine codex, you just had space marines. There was mm-hmm. no... You had the characters, so you had, like, Marnius Kalgar and all that sort of stuff, but you didn't have doctrines and stratagems and... Individual units didn't have special rules at all. Like I don't, I don't. I'm trying to think when those actually crept in. Was it fifth edition? Like up until then, your tactical squad was 
a squad of models. Or, you know, you might have things like the Chimera can drive through water features. Yeah, that it was, was, it. It was very was no... much units versus units rather than taking a unit for its rules. And there was no fluffy special rules. Yeah. I know it's more complicated, but I really love those fluffy special rules that 8th Edition's put in where every single unit has a cool fluff rule associated with it. If anyone's complaining about the rules bloat for 8th Edition... Did they not play at the end of 7th? Uh, you'd be surprised at the number of people that didn't play at the number of end of 7th. You'd be surprised at the number of people online who played like 10 years ago, got out the hobby, and got lured back in with 8th, and just want to bitch about it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's the internet. Because, I mean, the end of 7th edition, a 2K game just took like 5 hours. It was miserable. Yeah, it was. I didn't play 7th because it was miserable. Yeah, it was. Exactly. So I think it puts 8th edition in a good spot. Like you're saying... They could do a lot more when they start rolling out the new codexes, but is that 8.1 edition or whatever the people want to want to try and calling it? Well, I don't want a big mix-up, uh, a big. Uh, so I don't want ninth edition yet because no. I feel that with the bonus of the shock assault rules, and I hope that other armies get something similar. They have. It's called like angry traitors well, or something like that. No, I, I meant I meant across the oh right across the whole range, just because. Ages in 40k, shooting has been king. Yes. And if you have a shooty army, you're going to beat a close combat army 90% yeah. of the time. I mean, Tau versus Space Wolves is always going to be one-sided if the Tau have a gun line and just shoot down the Space Wolves yeah. before they get there. Yeah, there needs to be something to help boost up combat. So I think that's the only thing. I mean, you are right. That's the only thing I would like to see change with 8th is some sort of extra support for close combat which which they've done with the space marine codex because yeah, close so, combat is scary now for the space marines so i hope that a lot of the close combat units in the individual armies have been boosted um through erratas faqs mm -hmm. that sort of stuff and, and new units full stop so they are addressing that and i think they are getting to a good place where a shooter shooty army is scared of a close combat army and a close combat army is scared mm. of a shooty army i guess it's no coincidence then that the two new eldar units the first ones released are the banshees and the incubi exactly they are balancing out the close combat i guess disadvantage to an extent yeah. And a lot of these rules, like with um, drop pods coming down the first turn, yeah, a an assault army using drop pods doesn't have to wait until turn mm. three to charge, essentially, yeah. to, to to get a, an actual charge off. So, so they are addressing that. And psychic is not as powerful as it was at the end of 7th. That was miserable when you had to make that massive pool of dice and then you spend forever kind of counter-jockeying with each other on how many dice you have and resource. Oh my god. I and then someone uses it. Jaws of the World Wolf I'm and sober, just kills everyone yeah. anyway. Uh, a psychic scream out of a, uh, out of a chimera out of a window. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> it was. Um, but, but what I'm trying to say is it's not like... Uh, I mean, that's what killed off fantasy as well. Yes. Magic was way too powerful. Oh, don't open that can of worms, mate. Oh, have you seen god. the people on uh, Rage of Sigmar? <laughs> anyway i'm sure i'm sure it's rife still um <laughs> psychic was ridiculous at the end of seventh yeah and they toned that down shooting has been ridiculous in eighth edition it's always been king yeah. and they are toning that down so i am not pushing for another edition because they are making these changes to eighth edition so they, they've always said that eighth edition was going to be the edition of the living rule book and they were going to constantly change it which they have and it's mm. been really good if they bring out ninth edition it's going to be a complete shake-up with every, like pretty much every single rule changing 
Because if it's minor changes, they're just going to make the FAQs in chapter approved or, or mm. the FAQs. There's, there's no point bringing out a new edition just to make a few changes. Yeah, I, I don't want to see ninth edition yet either. I'm, st- I'm still having fun playing 8th. Right, so should we roll on through to our next topic? Or our actual topic, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, that was supposed to be a mini one. Yeah, it can't be a good rant. Right, on to the main event of the evening. It's uh, a new concept that I have definitely not come up with. Okay. But this is going to be hobby, stick, twist or fold. This is hobby pontoon. Okay, sure. Yeah. I love gambling. Yeah. <laughs> we are not gambling anything because... Oh, okay. Uh, Gambleware. Put, put my money away then. <laughs> Gambleware.org. We are revisiting the hobby resolutions that we made back in episode 20, because I looked it up today. Nice, nice. About the hobby goals oh, and no. projects that we wanted to complete this year. So Dave's kind of sprung this one on me. Um, <laughs> so this is going to be oh, this is going to be some serious uh, admission required here. Spoiler alert: It's not great for me either. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, right. So back in our first, it was the first show of the year, right? Yep, it was back in the January, uh, and we are today the last day of September as we record this. So we are going into the last three months of the year, or the last quarter, the last quarter Q four. Of oh the calendar year, and we are going to see if the projects that we came up with in January are still A, relevant today, and B, if we are going to stick, that we are going to finish these projects, twist, slightly modify our goals, right? Yep. or completely fold it. Can I claim the academic calendar instead of the... Uh... No, or oh. the financial one, you can't claim that okay, either. Okay, right, okay, good. Um because this was in the next hobby year, back in January, so... Right, okay, all right, I'll allow that. And no, I'm not looking at what date in January, because you technically got until, <laughs> like, the 20th of... Yeah. Go so, I will go first. Okay. So you can sort of get an idea of, of what, what we're doing. Okay, go for it. Back in January, my hobby goal... It was quite comical listening back to us, actually, but my hobby goal was... To do 1750 points of Tempestus Scions. This year, in 2019. In 2019, that was my hobby goal because I had just thought of the concept and I think I just bought... A, the Start Collecting start set, collect- probably. Yeah, that was it. Because it's got to be Start Collecting, right? Yeah, exactly. And I was uh, moving on to painting them. This is going to be a twist. Okay. So, Stick Twist Fold, this is going to be a twist. Is a twist that you fold? <laughs> The twist is not that I fold. <laughs> okay. The twist is, I cannot be bothered to do 1750 points of Scions. Okay. So, I have half-painted two Toroxes. Yep. I've half-painted the Valkyrie, a yep. Valkyrie, um, and I have finished 10 Scions Okay. Uh, and a Tempest Door. Right. Um, mainly because they are in the kill team. <laughs> they are your kill team, yes, this is true. Uh, so I have finished those guys, but that altogether, all of those units, the two vehicles, the flyer, the two squads of five guys, and the HQ, if I give them upgrades, it's only 495 points, or 497 points, I think it was. Okay. Wow. I am not doing three lots of that. And a half. Well, okay. I am not doing multiples of that because I cannot be bothered to do lots more Scions. I will probably do a few more just as specialists in the kill team. 
I can't be bothered to do another Torox and another, like, two Valkyries. Yeah. So, putting you on the spot then, mm-hmm. what is your answer? Uh, I want to paint up what I've got mm. uh, and make it into a 500-point Bolt-On Force to Imperials. Okay. So, in the same way that I want to paint up the Knight that yes. I have got and is undercoated, I think. Okay, uh, yeah. Somewhere in the closet of 40k stuff. The shame. The shame I, box. <laughs> that I've been asked to clean out several times and master of excuses. Well, yes, of course. You haven't had to do it. With more baby toys coming, I think I might have to um, give in to my better half. So this is my plan, is I'm going to recycle all my kids' toys and pass them to you, so you can have some free toys, but I can get some space to put some more plastic soldiers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Replace his toys with your toys. Uh, Yeah, so I am going to try and paint them all up um, and have it as a 500-point bolt-on force, and then maybe adding a knight in there and having a 1,000 points, or just, just giving a bit of variety... This was before sort of knowing about the, if your whole army is a certain type, you get yeah. the tactical drop. We don't know if that's coming. We don't know yet. So let's wait and see. True, but uh, I, I, I like their special rules. So. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. But uh, I do want to have them because I do like the colour scheme that they're on. I like the idea of it. It's a very cool idea. Yeah, I might, I might revisit it in the future. But for now, they are not a priority for me. So as part of your twist, is the stipulation still that you finish those stages by the end of 2019? Or we talk about this in next year's hobby goal setting? We <laughs> <laughs> might well be. The, the problem is, I've, I've got other projects that I want to do. And the, mm. the Scions, I'll need to just build up the momentum and I'll need to build up my love for them again. Okay. Um... Part of it is I only use them in kill team. Yes. And because I've got my kill team, I don't need to do any more. Yes, you're already using the models, therefore yeah. it kind of reduces that enthusiasm. Exactly. So, Tempest Scion 1750, twist. What's your first project? I wrote these down for you, so uh, you shouldn't have any problems remembering. Right, so my first commitment was to finish ongoing projects. So, and at the time I said that was such a cliche because that's what every gamer does. It is, but I specified four particular projects. So, <laughs> yes. going the list down the list, Imperial Knights, completed. That is completed. Well, well done. I said, I said my starting idea for Imperial Knights, which was one knight and two armagers, completed. Death Guard, reinforcements for the Nurgle, completed. Have you? Yeah, I've played the game with them. They're sitting over there behind you, finished. What, all, 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 all of them. thousand points. Two, I've got 2k army now. Okay. I played Tim. That's really good. Now we, we move on to the, talking about the the, the, the Drakari. So how, how are you getting on with that one? Well, so you see, you... my spray went horribly wrong when I started painting them. <laughs> yes. And is that a good enough excuse, Dave? Uh, does, does it match up? You're getting there. I'm getting keep, there. Keep going, keep, keep going. In. You can do it. Uh, I have been distracted by new shinies in so many new shinies. The Drakari are currently half blue. I <laughs> What's the other half? White primer. Nice. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? The white primer. What, Eagle Warriors Drakari? No. <laughs> could never do that. Not literally half and half. No, half the models have been sprayed blue. Half of them are still in their white prime. I am going to... If it's if the rules are get it done by the end of 2019, I'm going to have to fold on this one. They will be done next year. I don't think I'm getting done in 2019. So, I so try, you're, I mean, but the whole thing was finished projects. Finished projects. So, I mean, I'm going to call it a 
half fold because the project number four was the orcs, which I am a hundred percent folding on. <laughs> like that is not going to happen. So this this was the basis of you setting this project was actually the orcs. You yeah, wanted it was. to finish off the orcs for twenty nineteen. This was the orcs I started painting nearly two years ago as a uh, quick fix to get stuff sorted and two years later <laughs> to, to stop playing ultramarines yeah. i'm gonna paint up some orcs yeah never got done yeah so i think it's uh two folds for me on that front i mean the they will get done at some point in the future but it is not going to be this year i've picked up way too many other things that have caught my attention to to uh succeed in that front so i'm on the half point winning by half <laughs> i mean if you want to phrase it like that then yes sure well, let's let's move on to my second hobby. Oh, this this goal. will get better for me. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, your, your your twist was to your twist was also to not finish stuff this year. So yeah, my tw- I'm twisting it. I'm twisting it. <laughs> that I'll do it next year. <laughs> um, well, my second one was get into kill team, create a kill team, and play it as like an alternative to 40k games that took too long. Because yeah, back in January, I knew I was going to have a baby, yes. but it wasn't public knowledge so i did allude to i wanted to play quicker games of 40k and kill team gave me a perfect opportunity it looked fun i wanted to get into it Mm. and i will stick with this because i have completed it i have played several games of kill team i've got a kill team i kind of want to create more kill teams is that almost a twist then that you want to do more with what you no (laughs) not this year but would we would you roll around maybe next year's hobby commitment do a new kill team. You, something completely out of the what you'd normally play. Tyranids. I don't know. Something like that. It could be. Really go out there. Yeah, it could be. I mean, not, not Tyran- Tyranids. Mean, that was just an example, but... Well, pretty much every single army I have wish list or create an army list for in my head of a concept army for yes. them. Apart from Tyranids. Oh, really? And probably Eldar to an extent. Uh, I quite like Striking Scorpions. Scorpions. Those are my favourites. Yeah, those uh, those striking scorpions. The striking scorpion. Oh, f- <laughs> no. I was so leaving that in. The striking scorpions have um, interested me as well as the warp spiders. The warp spiders. Pull yourself together, man. You're meant to be professional. Scorpions. <laughs> yeah, the warp spiders are. <laughs> yeah, the warp spiders are actually really nice models. Given the fact that they're like 25 years old, those models. If they do get a plastic redo, I mean, I will be super pumped for that. What what we're saying is, if they are like the Dawn of War intro, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent like that. Um, they are cool, but um, yeah, Tyranids and Eldar are pretty much the only armies that I've not ever had an interest in. The rest of them, I could probably create a kill team from, uh, whether it was uh, Necrons or Dark Elder, something that I've never properly wanted to start an army of i could could create a kill team i mean we'll probably do the same thing in yeah. january and do hobby goals in yeah. january and see what comes of that but yeah that's, that's a good one to keep in mind so you're calling it a stick because it's a safe win because you've already finished it exactly playing it safe i'm sure there's a sports analogy to make in there somewhere but uh we'll just move on it's it's yeah i mean you're five nil up and keeping it in the corner of football nice yeah you have no idea what that means shut up <laughs> Or uh, just running out the game with a nil down in American football for all our American listeners. Yes, I nod. Oh, come on. I also had kill team, uh, play kill team down as one of my hobby goals, which I think I will also claim the uh, stick on because it's, 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 it's a point there for me and Dave's really weird scoring system. <laughs> 
It's a scoring ne- system that, looking down the list, I think I win. Yeah, yeah. Next up, Terrain Phase 2. I am going to call this one a stick, because like you, I've already finished it. So what was your Terrain Phase 2? Let, let's remind the listeners that... So I finished my Terrain project, like, last year, easily, um, and had the modular table tiles. Uh, love it to bits. However, it got a little bit mixed and matched because as I went through doing the table, I did all the basing differently, things kind of progressed on as I started doing the the board. Once I got to the end, it looked quite different to how it looked at the start. So step It's all one, those hobby tips that you kept, you kept was, building kept rolling on. out new yeah. stuff. So, step one, harmonise all of the table tiles with the same uh, rubble scatter. Check that one off. You have. Fancy it up a little bit more. So this was me adding... I had a whole box full of random that I'd kept to put on the table um, jerry cans um, sandbags sandbags ammo crates boxes random bits from kits that are cool to put a scatter across the battlefield painted all that up glued all that down sorted posters I really wanted to put propaganda posters up because they really tick the 40k vibe for me yep we need you sort of style. Yeah, or, or don't tell people what's going on. The you know the the enemy's listening. All that sort of paranoia <laughs> that you get with forty k. I put all those on the board as well. So I got all those kind of upgrades done. I mean, you could even call it a twist because I went a next step further. I got out all the lamp posts from the Cities of Death sets and put those on the board. I made them my statue to go with it. That was my recycle of a. Uh, miscast so well the 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 premise was that you would uh the terrain phase two was jazzing up the board so yes you you have completed that so yeah i'm going to call that uh call that a win and uh and move on swiftly so that leads me on to my last resolution which i am going to stick with because i have completed to an extent and i can still improve it so this was again with a baby in mind streamlining my hobby Okay. So, towards the time of the birth, I lost the spare room because it turned into the nursery. Therefore, yep. I lost my desk. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I lost my hobby area. Yeah. So, streamlining my hobby was something that I was forced into just because I, A, had less time and B, had to constantly set up and put away in order to do hobby. Yeah. Which, yes, you take the pee because i don't do much in hobby progress but in order to keep that hobby progress going i needed to step set up and put away constantly Mm. which meant that i was forced to streamline my hobby otherwise i'd have no time at all and you would rip the crap out of me even more wow yeah you don't want that so my motivation for this was to not get (laughs) insulted every single episode every Um, other's good enough a day yeah (laughs) i'm still failing on that so this went from getting the hobby mat out, getting the daylight lamp out, getting what I wanted to paint it out, um, turning on the computer, getting some entertainment on, whether it was a bat rep or a fellow podcast mm. or listening back to us, which is kind of weird uh, and very vain. And then getting the water and just, just all of the things culminating in the fact that I would go from starting to actually ready to paint took me about half an hour. It demotivates you so quickly when your one to one and a half hour slot you've actually managed to carve out for yourself is 
eaten into by prep and then tidy up after. Yep, that's that's exactly right. So this was the premise of the resolution, mm-hmm. was to cut down the, basically the setup time. So now I've got it down to a very smooth process. So I paint either on the sofa, on my lap, or uh, at the sort of living room table. So in order to do that, I need to get my hobby lamp out, my models out, my paints out, all of that stuff, get ready to go. And I've got it down to about five minutes now. And how much of that has come down to being more organised? Because we talked before about the hobby box. I mean, that that's made a big difference, right? Yep. So I have a hobby box and I also have like a small, basically a basket full of paints, brushes, glue, clippers, uh, all of that sort of stuff, a hobby knife, just so that... As soon as I get something out, I've got all of it in the basket and I can just reach in and grab it rather than searching for it mm-hmm. and getting it out and putting it on the table and then searching for something else. Yeah. Um, so now, say I'm about to do the Primaris that I did in my hobby progress. Yeah. All I needed for was this basket full of all my stuff, mm-hmm. hobby light, and then the box of Primaris and I was ready to go. Has it changed how you do hobby in terms of you are not a fan of batch painting batch progress you like to do things in a more bespoke way shall we say have you kind of shifted a little i have because the majority of the hobby that i've done have been additions to armies right so i've only had to do i mean the primaris that was like the first time i'd done sort of five slash ten models in a row yeah the rest have been um so the two torox there was only two of them and they were big vehicles mm-hmm. the valkyrie yes i did my kill team scions but the scions were very it was a very easy process right um and i airbrushed the base coats for them anyway mm-hmm. yeah and the rest have pretty much been single models or singular figures to add to an army mm-hmm. so it's been quite a quick process that I haven't had to batch paint and lose motivation because I'm batch painting or knowing that I've got to do an army for an event because mm. I've got, oh God, what, six workable armies at the moment? Yeah, you're I, not pressured. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not pressured to create a new one. I don't have the time to go to multiple events over the years. Mm-hmm. So if I go to an event, I'm taking an army that's already completed or one that I've been working on just to add one or two models to. So the hobby process for me has become much more streamlined than it did at the start of the year. That's really organised, man. So speaking of organised, I my last one that I put myself down to do was to have a campaign for us to play through and most specifically I wanted basically an excuse that I concocted myself to buy the Urban Conquest box. Yes, you mentioned that at the time actually. Yeah, I specifically said I was looking at that and thinking ooh, that looks nice. Um, I need an excuse to uh, actually purchase that to myself and my wallet. Exactly, and as Dave frequently claims purchases as hobby progress, I'm going to claim this purchase as completion of a goal. (laughs) Well, We've played a game of it. We have. And we have... I mean, the start of that campaign, a lot of it is admin. So we've completed that. And that box set, talking about process um, refinement, that box set cuts down the starting your campaign to the minimum because everything is printed on cards and ready to roll and mapped out in the books. So it has made running a fun campaign between the two of us pretty easy to get started. We are going to roll on to playing our second game soon. And 
because everything is based on that map and everything's documented, it's really easy to pick up and put down. And I'm with you. I mean, you've you've basically completed this this resolution already because we've already played our first game. We're looking to the second game, and a mini campaign is is brilliant. And I mean, I would even call it a, I would even call it a twist on this one because not only have we started the campaign, like I said, I wanted to do. We've also gotten involved in the campaign that um, includes Nick from Orange Brick Gaming, um, the guys from Warzone Morlock. Uh, and you know our local hobby friends to kind of get things going with this Hello Gate campaign. I think that's kind of like built on top of it, and it's already got people booking games amongst the group that have never played each other before. Yeah, so I'm really happy that I've kind of ticked that off, but also we've kind of gone beyond that the next step. So yeah, I'm I'm claiming that one as a success. I would massive failure of project finishing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. The the mini campaign that we've got going as 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 smash that hobby resolution. Yeah, so I think this year has gone moderately okay for the two of us. We've still got 3 months left, Dave, so we can I can still do those orcs. <laughs> yeah. Probably not gonna. <laughs> I'm probably not going to finish the Scions. Saying that, it's only really the Valkyrie to go because the the Torox table top standard. Do it. Yeah, I I need to. Do it's, it. It's just it's just motivation. Also I need to get the airbrush out. That's the only bit that I haven't streamlined because an airbrush is an airbrush you can't really streamline that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't. You've met my wife. I could not leave that thing out. <laughs> oh heck no! Let's come over here and have another session, mate. Yes. Right. Let's move on to our hobby tips then. Right. Quick fire tips on quick, quick fire tips. Quick fire tips is what we're calling oh, them now. Okay. Yeah. Keep Sp- updates. Keep spicing up. it up. Right. Painting plasma glow because this can be a really nice pop on the model, or it can look utterly. Sh- when you get it wrong yeah i mean the techniques that we're going to go through work for any sort of glows as well it doesn't have to be specifically plasma glow no it's imperial plasma weapon real bust mate (laughs) no that's right it will work on anything that you want to have a glowy effect it does work a lot better with things that are textured so i'm thinking that things like the immortals Necron Immortals weapons where they've got all those recesses and grooves in the end of their gun mm-hmm. um, or the, the sniper guns, anything like that where there's lots of texture, this works really, really well. That's because step number one is what I will call and GW would call the classic method, which is basically the way people have done it for years and years and years, and that is to paint it with a brush. So you've got to kind of go for... See, normally when you're painting, you're going from sort of dark... Shadows, medium, mid-tones, light highlights. Mm-hmm. When, you're ma- when you're painting a glow or light effect, you have to kind of... I, f- I really struggle with stopping myself from using the dark colours in recesses because it's light, so it needs to go from like middle colour right up to white, basically, to really give it that, that bright effect. It is essentially the opposite of washes. It's very difficult. It's very different to how you normally would paint it. So... Yeah. If you're doing the coils on something, for example, like a plasma gun, um, step one, base coat it in quite a bright colour. So if you are doing blue, I would base coat it in Calador Sky, which is kind of like the brighter blue. If you're doing a green plasma glow, I'd start with the warp stone, whatever it is, that quite bright green. The old moot green. Moot green's the, the moot green's a current one, and that is the, what was goblin green, the very bright green. So that would be your sort of next step up. So after you've base coated it in quite a bright colour, um, you want to start working on dry brushing. And this is because you want to make sure you're starting to catch all the textures. Um, I would go in with the highlight, which would normally be like your top highlight on a normal miniature painting as like the mid-tone on this. So yep. moot green is a perfect example if you're doing green. It's very, very bright. 
but it works perfectly if it's dry brushed on. And you can be a little bit messy with the dry brushing because if you get some on the gun casing or rocks that are next to whatever it is that's glowing, it adds that OSL, but like obviously a not serious version of OSL because you can go into the technicalities of light and all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, what blocks it, that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, it just it adds a nice little glow effect around if it gets on the gun casing. Yeah. And then you're going to go in with your white. And with the white, you want to try and be very gentle so that it is just catching the tips of the coils and whatever other texture it is to make it pop. That's kind of the way I've always painted plasma. You, however, have tackled plasma with an airbrush. For big models. Yes. So um, an airbrush, I have a mid-range airbrush. Mm -hmm. So it can't do details very well. No. So when it comes to OSL and Plasma Glow is a perfect example of this with an airbrush, I do it the traditional way. So I go from a darker color mm -hmm, yep. up to a bright color. So the example I'm going to give is um, the orange Plasma Glow of the Osiris, the Osiron Dreadnought. Yep. So I started with quite a standard orange i think it was the equivalent of a troll slayer orange okay so, so uh, it's quite bright and, mm -hmm. and and light but i have used it over the area that i want to paint mm -hmm. so to speak In this case it's a plasma glow but i also have done a good chunk of the areas around the plasma glow because you get a sort of bleed of the color with an airbrush anyway right over onto the adjacent areas yeah so. i mean in the same way that you get the rattle can overspray mm -hmm, yeah. you get an overspray with an airbrush it's not as um apparent mm -hmm. it's, it's not as harsh but you get that faint glow mm -hmm. of the of the overspray so then i so that i think the way i did the plasma glow on the Asiron was just to keep adding white because I've only got one orange. Okay, yeah. And I just kept adding maybe a drop, a pipette drop of white to mm -hmm. the mix, mixing it up, putting it through the airbrush. And every time I did it, I was more and more neater with the mm -hmm, yeah. with with the with the airbrush. So I was using the first layer, the first layer of the darkest color. Mm -hmm over the coils and the surrounding areas. The second layer, I was trying to be a lot neater and just getting the coils yep. with a tiny bit of overspray onto the, the edges. Added a bit more white, did the middle of the plasma coils mm -hmm. and just the overspray getting to the edge of the coils but not yep. onto the surrounding casing. Um, and then I might, have add, I might have done one or two more layers each getting closer and closer to the middle. Yeah. So I've seen different ways of doing it, where the middle bit that I'm referring to, where it's almost white, I've seen it done on all of the different coils. That's some serious brush or, and or airbrush control to get that. Exactly. And and because my airbrush isn't that mm, yeah. small and, and detailed enough, and, and because I'm mixing as well, it's not, it's not the perfect consistency. So if I tried that, there might be um, blobs coming out, which is because I am not using the airbrush consistently and, mm. and I don't know how to stop that, basically, if I'm honest. And then I would do almost white with a hint of orange in the very middle of it. So 
it's 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 a classic way of doing OSL, and you you'll see various tutorials online. But yeah, that that's how I do my plasma glows. Obviously, if it's a smaller model, I'd use a brush in the way that you were describing before. So if you want to do it even faster and easier than faffing around with an airbrush or doing it with the the paintbrush methods, I cannot speak highly enough of contrast paints for painting plasma glow. How much you have changed from Warhammer Fest. I it's know. Brilliant. The bile and bitterness has been washed away. No, so the what I did with my uh, Tech Priest Dominus, he has two sci-fi weapons. They've got kind of like plasma cores on them. I have no idea what them is. One of them looks like a death ray from like the 1950s comics. It does, yeah. Which is cool. The other one is some sort of radiation pistol or something. It's, it's, it's straight out of Destroy All Humans or something. Yeah. Either way, they have coils on them. So what I did was I painted the coil area in white. White scar, I think I used. Oh, actual white. Actual not, white, not, the not contrast. contrast. Actual white. And then had a little bit of it flick over onto the gun casing, as mentioned. And then I just put on one layer of contrast paint, and that was it. And I let that kind of bleed over onto the, the gun casing as well. So, so you didn't go back over with like a, a nope. an off white, no? Nope, just did that, and it's done. Nice. It has stained the coil tops ever so slightly, so they're an off white, which is exactly what you want anyway. And the colour has seeped down into the recesses. But unlike a shade where it darkens the recesses, this has just tinted the recesses heavily towards the colours that I've chosen. So it looks that nice bright light effect, but it's worked like a shade. It's really, really, it's really come out nicely. I used, I used Athematic Blue on one, which is the bright turquoise, and I used War Boss Green, Orc Skin Green, the Orc themed green that's kind of like the middle green, and it's kind of got like a, almost acidic look to the weapon and it, both of them have come out really really well and it literally took me seconds it's it's the contrast version of the Waywatchers green glaze yeah. yeah and i will never paint them via the old-fashioned classic method again i will always use no? contrast and a contrast you know, white paint and a contrast over the top because it's just come out so well with no effort then i might head that way when it comes to smaller models then go for it Perfect. So that just about wraps up this episode. So as I said at the start of the show, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer podcast, our Instagram at Floorhammer underscore podcast and our website floorhammerpodcast.com. Cheers, guys, for listening. Speak to you next episode.